Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the NFNL podcast for season 2021. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Sacco. Nicholas, the world now feels normal again. We had finally a full round of football and netball in the Northern Football Netball League. First time we've had that since way back in 2019. Certainly feels way back anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a good 18 months ago. We had netball across four venues on the Friday night. Football at a senior level in the men's and women's across on Saturday and Sunday. Junior football on Sunday as well. Life's feeling pretty good again. Absolutely, Samuel, and thanks for having me on the podcast once again. But yeah, feel, you definitely feel like normality has resumed. And I know especially for the juniors who have probably had to wait the longest out of all those categories there, finally getting back onto their respective fields on Sunday morning or afternoon. Um, they would have had a great thrill about that one and just getting back involved again. It's fantastic to see across the uh, whole Northern Football Nipple League. Yeah, and long may it continue as well. So let's hope it's just the start of uh, a season that continues without any hurdles or hiccups in, in regards to COVID. COVID and well, certainly long in every regard, I guess, but hopefully um, it's something we can just continue right through until we reach the end of our season in September. Nick, uh, we saw obviously some great netball, which we'll go through in a few moments' time, but from a, a football perspective, we were at the game at West, Pre- West Preston Lakeside versus Greensburg, Greensburg War Memorial Park. It was the grand final rematch. It was billed as probably the biggest game we'd seen to this point of the season. Well, it certainly lived up to expectation. If anything, it went beyond that. It was a game for the ages. It was close right throughout. And in the end, Greensboro ahead by one point when the final siren sounded with one of the players we didn't know much about going into the day, ending up the hero, young Ben Fisher. We called it as his first goal at senior footy. We've been corrected. It's his first goal at (laughs) Greensboro War Memorial Park. He kicked two the week prior. But it was a game for the ages. And I think everyone who walked away from that one felt that they saw one of the classic games of of local football and and probably proof as to why both Greensboro and West Preston Lakeside are still touted as the best sides in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. Well, we talk about match of the day each week on our broadcast, and this one absolutely lived up to it, like you said. It was a very contested game you felt in that first half particularly, and I know you said in the call that it did feel like that 2019 grand final all over again, but in the second half it did open up, and at one point it did feel like Greensboro were going to run away with it. 19-point leaders at three-quarter time, and you felt that the game was really turning in their favour. But a quick goal in the last quarter from... um, Armoured started at the start of that last quarter really helped shift the momentum quickly, put the pressure right back on the home side. And young Ben Fisher just finding some room inside 50, getting it, being able to snap it onto his boot and get it through to goal. And good to see everybody get around the young kid as well. That was a fantastic sight. But in the end, they got that lucky point, I guess, in the way the fact that they were able to. Get that last little behind to just help them get over the line, really, and any result yeah. after that would have helped their cause. Well, of course, they got to that seven-point lead, and then Matthew Harmon's goal on the siren, even though it went through for West Preston Lakeside, it obviously didn't have an impact on the final result as such with, with Greensboro holding on. If you've been Fisher, if you're going to kick a goal at Greensboro War Memorial Park, <laughs> I reckon it's a pocket you want to kick it from right, right in front of all the spectators there, and I, I think he'll be a, uh, a player that uh, they'll come to enjoy over, over the coming uh, years. For, for both sides, for Greensboro, it's an important one because not only do they get the four points, I think that when you lose a grand final, the next time you play that side, you want to beat them. You don't want it to become a, a real hoodoo. They were able to, to do that. But for West Preston Lakeside, by no means is it the end of the world. I mean, they, they proved in that performance why they are the two-time reigning premiers. That They could have you know, fallen away at three-quarter time, 19 points, low-scoring game, thought it's all too hard. They, they don't know how to lose, basically. They, they found their way back into it. A bit, perhaps they might say, unlucky in the end. 
missed some chances yeah. in the first half and they'll rue those because they ended the day with more scoring shots. But when push came to shove at the start of the game when they were on top for the first quarter and a half in particular, didn't take the most uh, of their chances and in the end it came back to haunt them. Well, it was 12 scoring shots to six in favour of West Preston at half time and you just felt like if they got that ball through to big sticks a little more, they were able to get run away with it but they just weren't making the most of their opportunities. And, and, and they weren't, there were some of them that were definitely gettable. Some absolutely. were tough but there were some that, uh, that they would normally kick on, on, on when they're at their best form. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't help that on the flip side, when Greensboro went inside 50, more often than not, they were able to find the scoreboard. And that really put scoreboard pressure back on the Roosters to just get themselves back into the game, which they did, as we spoke about in that last quarter. It just wasn't enough for them at the end. But it's better that this has happened in round two for them rather than later in the season. Goal kicking, you feel like, is something you're much better prepared at when you've done it for a few consecutive weeks. So uh, hopefully for their sake, they'll be able to... Um, straighten up a little bit yeah well uh, I, th- I think uh, most b- would argue, w- would say that it actually added to the storyline didn't it? having such, definitely, a, uh, definitely. such a close game it's a, it's a great rivalry that's been built and I think um, yeah as I said from the outset we've probably seen the game of the year we're only round two of the, the senior men's football competition um, in terms of game of the year we've mentioned that but the early upset there's, there's a couple of contenders from the weekend's action we saw well, Bandura, not so much the fact it was an upset that they beat Montmorency, but I think the magnitude mm. of which they did that was, was certainly caught me by surprise. I think if you, if you were to go into the game and, and look at, at Montmorency having won in round one, Bandura having been, well, soundly beaten after halftime against the, the reigning Premier in West Preston Lakeside, you would have thought they had their work cut out travelling to Montmorency Park, but they did it pretty comfortably in the end, and that's probably what surprised me. Hurstbridge getting the result over McLeod, having yeah. lost the week earlier by 14 goals. You know, it's certainly an understrength McLeod side, which had lost four players from the previous week's size, but didn't gain any of the stars that were missing from the opening round. Um, they're two contenders. And then, of course, into MC Labor Division 2, where the biggest upset for mine took place, and we saw St. Mary's defeat, the un- at that stage, unbeaten Thomas down top of the ladder. And again, not a matter of the win, it's the mat- a matter of the size of the win. That's, for mine, the, the biggest re- surprise we've seen in the senior men's competition so far. Oh, it's absolutely the biggest surprise. I mean, we saw St. Mary's in round one in their clash against Elfham, and even though you could see the big difference between the two sides, you felt that the Borough could really put some damage to a lot of these premiership contending sides throughout the year. And they've done it pretty early against the Thomastown side, who, who were in great form. A lot of big momentum coming from their uh, win over the Panthers last week, and um, an absolute shock to the system you feel like they uh, Thomastown we spoke about poor goal kicking well they were on the receiving end of that as well six goals 14 they kicked in the end of that game and even though it was still a few scoring shots behind the home side they just couldn't get their kicking boots on and you feel like even a few goals shifts momentum in that match but full credit to St Mary's and the way they were about it we know they've got a pretty young team and they were led beautifully throughout the uh, course of the match so um, exciting times for St Mary yeah and it's good when you look through and have a look at some of the players who were amongst the best for uh, St Mary's Rural Hanlon, Tane Cotter. I mean, these are the, the young emerging players, aren't they, that, uh, that I guess they're looking forward to. Thomas Town, they're far from full strength. They're, they're, they're missing a, a ton of players. But again, it's more the fact that they were missing some in, in rounds one and re- yeah. oh, both weeks of round one, <laughs> the, the two that they played, and were able to get the job done. But St Mary's 41-point winners, having led by 24 points at quarter time. We're going to talk about that in more depth later in the program when we have a chat with the coach of the St Mary's. Uh, men's football team in Fab Corelli. So we, we push on through um, and we have a look, Nick, into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 where certainly some of the sides that we expect to contend are, are doing well to start the year. We talk of Lorimer and South Morang. They're both undefeated after two rounds. 
Heidelberg West is an interesting case for me aside that hasn't played senior finals for what feels an eternity, certainly not in our lifetime, and so that, that, that long ago back, but they've had two wins to start the year, and I think the important thing for them, they've beaten sides who they probably most would have expected them to be fighting for a finals place uh, come season's end. It's only... Uh, two weeks into the year we know in 2019 they won the first five and then faltered but given the fact they've beaten Old Altham Collegians and Mernda in the opening two rounds you have to be impressed with the way that the Hawks have started their campaign a brilliant start to the season and you're spot on about the opponents have faced so far in this 2021 season it gives them a world of confidence getting into the rest of their campaign and just an outstanding performance against a side like Mernda who we know are really pushing and they they just got them from the out, outset as well because they were dominant right up from the start of the game I believe they were 10 goals two at half time which really puts the foot down um, and they didn't slow down from there. Someone like Jared Coulson leading that team beautifully at the moment. Yeah, and uh, another one who's in really good form is Jack Maris as well, pushed up the ground. He kicked three goals from a midfield position. Uh, we've seen um, Jack Kimonello come across from McLeod. Last time he was at the club, he played predominantly ruck and, and sometimes forward. He's gone back, shoring things up there. So they're certainly a, a major talking point in that competition. Um, there's obviously, go, they're going to be one of a few sides who are pushing hard come season's end, but early stages, they've made a, a real impressionable start for mine. Um, we talk about the early part of the year and we generally have different fixturing at, at the early part of the year. We know that generally with the senior men's football competition, it's 10 past two on a Saturday afternoon. You know, prior you get the reserves and the nineteenth. But now uh, this year and particularly this coming weekend, it's uh, a, bit of, a bit of everything, isn't it? And it, uh, it allows fans to go and see more games. But when you look at things and you look at the weekend we had, we had twilight footy with uh, games being played at three venues of a, of a twilight uh, nature. We saw a game at Montmorency, uh, a game at Bill Laurie Oval with Northcote Park, and then, of course, at uh, RJ Brockwell Oval where Banyul defeated Lowell Plenty in a topsy-turvy game where mm. Banyul was well in front by half-time, looked all over, didn't kick a goal after half-time and, and won a game. I mean, before we go into the twilight, uh, into our discussion on twilight and, and different timing... How often would a side not kick a goal and in the second half and, and win a game of footy? Yeah, very crazy circumstances. But this was built to be a pretty good match as well from the start of it. It was good conditions, I felt like, out there too. But yeah, just, they just couldn't get that score on the board. And at the end of the day, they were still able to get the win. So credit to them for being for defending well enough to yeah. not allow them to get over the edge. Well, Jack Langford was the, the star early. And I think as the game wore on, Jake Truefelt played a blinder as well. So uh, they were the best for, for Banyol. Darcy Barden had his usual best for, for Lowell Plenty. But... It's, it's hard to know what to read into that game now because you thought it's the battle of two of the heavyweights in MC Labor Division 2, but just given the, the ebbs and flows mm. in the game, it's, uh, it makes it for hard, hard for reading. But if I go back to the original discussion and not get sidetracked, but um, Twilight Footy, and now you look at this upcoming round, it is Anzac round, and you look at the Saturday 2.10pm time slot, there's 14 games of senior men's footy, only seven are at Saturday at 10 past two. We've got... Twilight games on the, the Saturday night at uh, two different times. There's a couple at, at 10 minutes past four. Another one at Greensboro versus Mont at, at Greensboro War Memorial Park at 20 past five. And then three games on the Sunday. Um, Thomas Town hosting one of those. Heidelberg's hosting a game as well. And, uh, and also Epping and Diamond Creek play. So obviously we know the reason why the Sunday games are due to the Anzac Day weekend and, and clubs are wanting to play on Anzac Day itself. They're all requested games, so it's not a, not a, a league initiative, it's a club initiative. But uh, overall, as a footy uh, 
person and someone who likes to get out to games. What do you think? Are you a fan of the traditional time slot or do you like to see games outside of their traditional time? I mean, I feel like we've been used to it a lot, particularly watching AFL and VFL because they've experimented a lot with playing at different times. But we've seen a lot of local clubs, you know, redevelop their grounds and they've put lights in and they really want to make the most of that. Um, I'm sure some clubs feel that they maybe get more traction with crowds at night or at twilight. Uh, Maybe it's easier for people to come to the game. Maybe it's easier for players to get there and, and find the time for it. So, I mean, it's a great spectacle when it works and when the ground's right and it's lit well, um, I'm sure it, it would make some good viewing. I think the, the handy thing is it's it's the time of year. Obviously, you want to do it at the start of the year when the weather's good. Yeah. I like it from a point of view that those, especially now when we haven't had footy for so long, it's an yeah. opportunity to, to get out and see more games. You can go to a game, for example, Saturday, be at Greensboro Memorial Park, walk around the corner, or drive around the corner, probably more <laughs> so, to, to Montmorency Park and, and see hmm. a game there. So it gives... This, the fans something more to oh, for sure. uh, an opportunity to see more games early I also love the fact now that clubs are incorporating it with their women's football team as well we saw Banyul and Lowell Plenty play a women's game at the adjoining oval at, at, on Burkett Oval instead of uh, on uh, Beverly Road Oval, but uh, right next door, we saw a week prior, Montmorency and Bandura, uh, sorry, on the weekend, sorry, prior that uh, Montmorency and Bandura played their women's directly before the men's game as well. So I love that fact that the, the women are getting the opportunity to play in front of the bigger crowds as well and really incorporating the two sides. So I'm actually enjoying seeing it. Uh, it's harder, I guess, for us from a media point of view because <laughs> it, it, it stretches out the, the weekend yeah, as sure. such and, and uh, you have to, I guess, be following more astutely throughout the course of a full day. Um, but I, I like that and I like the fact that it's club driven and that they're doing things that work for the footy fans but also hopefully make an extra buck or two which we know how how important that is coming out of the 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 COVID year that we've had um looking ahead to to this weekend it is Anzac round it is a really important weekend on the football calendar Nick and I know it's something that the AFL has done really well in in working with the um, uh, Antic Appeal and, and the RSLs as well. It's something that sport can really have a big impact on on those, um, you know, well, I guess the social issues, but also commemorating days of, of great importance like we'll see with this week's Anzac round. There'll be uh, women's games right throughout the Sunday, junior games right throughout the Sunday as well. Um, but it's a, an opportunity to, to reflect on, on those who have come before us as well. And it's bigger than just... Um, I guess, us playing sport. We, we're remembering, I guess, the, the sacrifices that, that others have made um, so that we can enjoy the, the things that we do, like playing footy and, and netball as well. But um, it's something that sport's doing really well now, isn't it, in, in really connecting with, um, I guess, you know, events like this, but also in terms of um, dealing with charities as well. Yeah, absolutely, Samuel. And it's a great initiative for these clubs to really, you know, embrace that opportunity and like you said, sports just doing it so well and the fact that they've been able to use it not only to play sport but also use it as an opportunity to reflect and, and remember those that have gone before us in those circumstances. And so um, I like it a lot. And I love the fact that the clubs themselves are, are working so closely with the RSL. We've seen many grounds. I know I've been at, uh, at games at, at Epping, at, at Thomastown as well and, and through Montmorency where, and, and Altham as well. They're, they're the ones I've seen do it live where they connect so well to the local RSL where they have a member come and speak before yeah, the game. Definitely. They have the bugler on the ground as well and it adds to the atmosphere but I think it, what it does to is sport we can really um, you know I know even going back you know 20 years to when I was young it wasn't a day that was uh, celebrated as, as well as it is now I think sport's been a major driver in getting younger people to understand um, the sacrifices that have been made and I guess at the same time as well the, the atrocities that, that do arise with, yeah. with conflict as well and and uh, and how, how much uh, you know people who have been on the front line have had to endure 
Um, we move, um, we've talked about the upcoming weekend, but we will go back again because we've, uh, we want to have a look at the senior women's uh, football competition. Two games were played on Saturday. The remaining nine were played on Sunday yesterday. And I think the game I wanted to focus uh, first on, it was almost on, was the grand final rematch between the Diamond Creek women's and VU Western Spurs won. And this was an interesting one because the Spurs had gone into the game. They hadn't lost since the preliminary final of 2018. But this time around, Diamond Creek women's were able to flip the scoreline. It was a really interesting game. It was uh, ebbing and flowing all the way through. Diamond Creek made a, a really good start. VU Western Spurs were able to, uh, to, to peg their way back into the game. And, and right before uh, half time, they, they, they took the, the lead or during the second quarter, Diamond Creek fought back, kicked a couple of goals, steadied before half time, and then after half time, were able to go on with the job. So, um, as much as we love to always see a powerhouse side, it's also good to see a changing in the guard to some respect as well. And Diamond Creek women's, um, similar to what we talked about with, yeah, with exactly Greensboro right. in, in the grand final rematch in, in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, I think it's always important for a side to exact that revenge or atonement pretty quickly so that the uh you know the, as the proverbial says that the it doesn't the, the monkey doesn't turn into a gorilla on the back and every time you play them all of a sudden you feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders they know now that they have have an opportunity to beat them when it comes to the, the pointy end of the year yeah a fantastic result for diamond creek and i'm sure they'll take a lot of confidence out of that win but it, it also speaks volumes and we spoke about it a lot at the start of the season about how most clubs felt like they were at an even stage coming into it because they had the year off from football and they didn't really know what to expect and a game like that just showcases that brilliantly in the fact that you know a side as dominant as VU Western Spurs can have a bit of an upset result and it maybe gives them an opportunity to reflect as well coming into the rest of the season so a great result in terms of a mutual point of view that's for sure. Yeah and uh, in just some of the, the other results uh, of note it's been interesting or, or, or one thing that uh, that's, I've, I've enjoyed is, is a form of Montmorency. They've uh, two sides out. They haven't dropped the game yet. Uh, and uh, in particular, their number one side, they're flying at the moment. They've only conceded seven points in the opening two rounds of the season. Big win over Bandura. We also saw uh, Lowell Plenty, a new side to the competition. They've conceded no, no goals to this no point goals. in wow. the season. One behind in, in uh, <laughs> the weekend, uh, it, the, uh, in the weekend, and, and and none before that. So in their first win against uh, V Western Spurs, so they they are absolutely flying. Um, uh, Netball returned Friday night and. 97 teams, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable effort, especially after a year where we couldn't get anyone out on the courts on, on the, uh, the 2020 season. So we had the return via the summer competition at the weekend or on Friday night. We saw the return of the winter season. They are graded the first four rounds, similar to what we see in the senior uh, women's football competition. The purpose of this win of grading is to ensure competitive balance throughout the the course of of the season as a whole and uh, a few sides of, of note to uh, in terms of performance so you look at Bandura we're going to speak to Vince Bruno later in the program they'll have nine sides out in the court this year which is a pretty remarkable effort yeah. and we've also got uh, in a in terms of a winning perspective we saw Kilmore start the year in pretty amazing fashion seven sides Kilmore have this year Six wins to start the year. Now, that's a, that's Good a pretty handy way to, yeah. to, to start a campaign. I think it just builds or it's real confidence throughout the course of the group when you can start a year like that. And, and not only the fact that it's six wins, it's their six highest-ranked sides going into, uh, yeah. into the year with uh, a win as well. So that's, uh, that's a, a great way to start the year. Whittlesey also had a, a really positive start from their perspective. They've got three sides on the courts this year. 
all three winning games, and not only winning games, but winning by massive margins. 24 goals, their average winning margin across the opening uh, or opening weekend, but across the three games they've had as well. So talk about an imposing start first up, Nick. Yeah, absolutely, and it really helps your cause throughout the season. But I guess the one note I wanted to talk about from that netball weekend was the Paul Thomastown Bears, who had mm. two one-goal lo- uh, one losses rather in their games on the weekend. It can be cruel sport because I think you, you're happy to be out in, the, out in the court and then you come away from uh, a night, five games on the night decided by a goal, yeah. and they're on the wrong side of two of them. So Unfortunate. It shows you close enough, but uh, at the same time, you'd, uh, you'd really hope that, uh, that at least one of those ones go your way. And on the flip side for Kilmore, well, they kicked uh, they kicked started their season, as I said, six wins out of seven, but uh, two of the wins uh, were by a single goal as well. So uh, great to have netball back. Of course, the games will continue. This Friday night, uh, fixtures to be out on the website later this weekend, uh, later in the week, I should say. And of course, uh, those first four rounds to be graded. So it is a week-by-week proposition with the, the fixturing of the netball competition. Junior footy was back, and uh, we know in... Obviously, our focus is more on the senior competitions here, but I think uh, more than anything, I think it's the juniors who would have missed football the most last year. As a senior player, it gave an opportunity to have a rest and maybe get, uh, I mean, I know we couldn't really travel or anything, but last year, an opportunity to, I guess, focus on the things that are most important in life, family and and friends probably being first and uh, for, for most people. The senior people got a chance to reflect on that, but for juniors, it was something that you love to do is is go out and and play footy and netball with your mates, and that was taken away from really everyone in Victoria last year. But so great to see junior footy back, the smiling faces, and that's the essence of the game, really. When you see them running out there, it's not about always the score, but as you grow up, of course it is. But just to see what the game means, absolutely brilliant to see junior football back over the course of the weekend. It absolutely is, Samuel, and I was able to see a few social media posts throughout that Sunday of of you know kids celebrating and just getting around each other, which is always fantastic to see. It just really shows that even with the year off, they still enjoy the game just as much as they did in their last outing. So um, wonderful to see. I'm hopefully looking forward to seeing some games throughout the year as well myself. And uh, yeah, it'll be exciting to see which teams can really you know bounce up and, and make a statement in their respective competitions, but also just to see the enjoyment on, with that everybody has, not just for the kids, but all the volunteers as well to help out too. It is brilliant. So that's the weekend that was. Looking ahead to this weekend, as we said, Anzac round. We don't know, obviously, fixturing from the senior women's football side of things at the time of recording. Same goes with netball and junior footy. They're all graded, as we say. But we do know that the senior men's football competitions, as we say, have 14 games this weekend. Only seven in the, the Saturday 2-10 time slot. But what are you looking forward to from the weekend ahead, Nick Sacco? I mean, there's obviously some fantastic matchups, but uh, I'm sort of looking towards Division 1 because I think Greensboro and Montmorency are a big one, that 540 start on the Saturday. Greensboro, obviously, we've already spoken about their fantastic win on the weekend, but Montmorency were a little bit disappointing, which we've mentioned, so... I don't know, I feel like a little bit of a big occasion. They've got the standalone time slot, nobody else really playing around that mark, and um, it's a good opportunity for Montmorency, who do take the big occasion games pretty well. Um, I feel like they're a great chance to really make a bit of a statement, get themselves back in terms of the evenness of the competition. The other one, of course, has to be the 2019 Division Two Grand Final rematch between Lower Plenty and Eltham. That's at 4.10 at Montmorency Park. That's the big one as well. We spoke about how, how great the uh, Grand Final rematches have been so far. This one, I don't feel like it's going to be any different. The Bears 
um, and the Panthers. I feel like Alfin will be trying to extract a little bit of revenge. It's taken a while for them to get this opportunity, so I reckon they'll be taking it as best as they yeah, can. Yeah, of course. As we know, the last time they met, as you say, the 2018 decider, Ben Patterson's goal on the siren. Mm. Gave Lowell plenty, one of the most famous victories. I think, for mine, that's certainly a, a game that, that appeals massively. Yeah. Um, be interesting to see how McLeod bounces back on the Sunday. Norton, two start to the year. Come up against Heidelberg. Heidelberg, two and zip. Interesting game. They played Whittlesey. Both sides were down to one on the bench in the first quarter. Oh, wow. So it was a, a, bruising. a, a bruising encounter. And if you look at it from Heidelberg's point of view, obviously they get an extra day break, but if they don't get a few back... Do they potentially become vulnerable? I don't think so. Their young kids have stood up three yeah. in the first two rounds, but it's a big game for McLeod because it could well be season-defining. Norton 3 is going to make things pretty tough. As you say, you talk about the grand final rematch in MC Labor Division 2. It's actually one of two grand final rematches because Panton Hill oh, is right, at yes. home to St. Mary's <laughs> at AE Cracknell Reserve. So uh, two games that uh, the, the most uh, recent battle was a grand final, so that should be really entertaining. And then uh, the game that we'll be broadcasting on the Saturday is in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. And I think this is the big one because it's Kilmore away to South Morang at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. South Morang's two and zip. Kilmore, they let go of an opportunity in round one when they lost to Lorimer having led all day. It's a real chance to, to really show what, what they're going to be made of. I think most had them in finals contention again this year. They played finals in 2019, but a chance to maybe make a statement. And likewise for South Morang, it's a really young side, and it is a really big game first, like I guess for them, because they've had the two uh, big wins against sides that haven't played uh, finals, and now an opportunity against a side that uh, they'll potentially meet later in the year if, if the sides can keep on their current trajectory. Yeah, definitely. And you're right on both on both fronts, Samuel, in regards to, I guess, South Morang especially, they've been so close so many times in this competition in recent years. Eh? Very important for them to start off well, which they have, mind you, being 2-0. and zero. But I am also very intrigued about Kilmore and what they'll do this season. And we've spoken about their 1-1 one one record at the moment. And a, a fantastic opportunity, I feel like, early in the season to, you know, get some confidence into the team and, and really show the competition that they're here to, to be a premiership contender. So um, two two pretty important sides going at it this Saturday, and I'm um, looking forward to calling it. Well, we certainly are. Now we're going to take our first interview of the program. We're going to have a chat with the senior men's football coach of St Mary's, Fab Corelli, following his side's big win over Thomastown on Saturday. Fab, thank you for joining us. I'd imagine it's a, a pretty enjoyable victory for your club and, and one of the better ones you've had since winning the Premiership back in 2018. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it definitely was. Um, I was just a, a really great, consistent, all-round four-quarter four performance from, from us. Um, really pleased with the result, especially the way we went about it. Um, and, you know, like, like I said, across the four quarters, we were consistent from from go to woe, so it just it made the win even more um, pleasurable. Uh, the four-quarter performance, as you say, is probably what's um, the most eye-catching you know, moment of the game or, or I guess, um, uh, thing to take away from the game. So I think you're, you're 24 points up at, uh, at quarter time, um, you know, s- stretch the lead to half-time, and then from there, we're, you know, scoreboard-wise, never truly troubled. Um, is it the most complete game you think the club's had since coming up into second division? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. Um, I mean, obviously we had some great wins in 2019 uh, when we beat Banyul for the first time, and you know, we even beat Tomo. But well, um, just after or during the game, just towards the end of the game, well, Nick Dean, who's injured at the moment, standing behind me, and he said that he reckons it was one of the best performances that we had we had played since we'd been up in Division Two, and we sort of agreed on it as well that 
because we were so consistent across the four quarters and we executed what we really wanted to do and it seemed to come off in all facets of the game. So that's how you're right. It was just a, a complete performance by us and um, really one that, you know, where we enjoyed, enjoyed it for sure. Is it more meritorious given the fact you didn't have you know, Nick Dean, who's your reigning best and fairest? Uh, I know in the early parts of the year, you, I mean, we're only at round two, but it was your third game, but Chris Petrora had a great start to the year. Jake Dambrowskis wasn't there. You had a few players who had limited pre-seasons who were you know, you know, trying to continue through off, uh, off a smaller base, but does that make the win even better knowing that it was, I guess, a, a younger side out in the park that was able to produce such a performance? Yeah, it certainly was. Um said to our players after the game, it's, it's not often where you can go around and look everyone in the eye and say that we just had this consistent performance across the, across the whole whole deck. You know, the whole 22 players contributed in some sort of way throughout the game and it, it's pretty rare for a coach to be able to go and say that in the game. You're always maybe picking apart a few things, but, um, you know, like it, it made it a stronger performance considering, you know, a lot of our younger guys really stepped up on the weekend. You know, the likes of um, Rory Hanlon and, and Tane Cotter and, and, and Jacob Yeomans come through the middle a lot more with the absence of Chris and, and Jake Dambraskis. So, you know, that they, they helped um, sort of keep things going and especially through our midfield area where we missed those two players. You mentioned there uh, one of the youngsters in, in Tane Cotter. We uh, were calling the broadcast game in uh, round one on Good Friday. He, we thought he was a, a really promising uh, performer. It's a, a player who's won a, a competition under 19, best and fairest winner. Looks right at home at, at senior level. Have you been, uh, or how have you seen his performance in stepping up into senior grade? Uh, I know he played a couple of games in 2019, but now becoming a, uh, a bona fide part of, the, of this team. Yeah, he's a, he's a real um, he's a real live wire, Sam. Um, he's just exciting to watch. You never know what he's going to do when he's got the footy in his hand. He's one of those types of players. He can turn something in, turn something into something every time he gets the footy. You know, he's just one of those real live wires. And um, you know, his performances you know, from from round one all the way to even to Saturday, like he's been outstanding so far. Um, you know, like even his performances in two thousand nineteen. Um, he played his quota of games where we, we had the agreements of you know, probably sending our 19s back to that they were going to play finals. So we, we didn't want to overqualify him that year. And um, you know, some of his performances back then were all, already eye-catching. And I think he's just one of those players of the future for our footy club. And um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a very coachable lad too, you know. So um, he works hard both ways. Um, so he's had a really good, strong start to the season. Jacob Yeomans was one who really caught the eye at the start of 2019. Unfortunately, only played half a year before injury derailed him, but he's made a really good start back. I know you mentioned him a few moments ago as well, but how's he tracking in, uh, in his comeback uh, to the footy field? Yeah, no, listen, he's probably worked as hard as I've ever seen someone work during a pre-season. Uh, um, and he's, he's starting to reap the, the rewards again. Um, I, think, I reckon he had a couple of quiet games early early on so around one and two he wasn't as prolific as he normally is but you know we got him more into the midfield role deep forward on the weekend and it, it just proved his worth as usual and you know, he kicked a couple of great goals and um, he's starting to get his leap going where he can you know, take those nice pack marks and one-on-one marks so he's got the ability to sometimes sit on people's shoulders um, and um, 
yeah, he, he sort of really hit the mark on the weekend. With the, the start to the year, you're 2-1 now, having played two of the leading contenders with Altham and Thomas Down. I imagine that's pleasing, but now you turn your attention forward and you take on Pant and Hill aside, you've built a, a good rivalry, rivalry with in, in recent years, particularly 2018, when you obviously played off in a grand final, which of course your side's victorious in. But that must be an encounter that, that everyone looks forward to, an opportunity to play a side that you haven't played since uh, grand final day. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, there's a really good rivalry built up between us. Um, we're, we're looking forward to it. So it's such a tough game going up to the hill and, and playing them at the home ground. So um, it's going to be another challenge that we're going to have to rise to because um, notoriously we haven't gone so well there. So it's you know, it's one thing we need to we speak about during the week and make sure that you know we are just on our guard when we go up there and, and, and really put in a, a solid performance against them. Do you, I mean, going into the year, did you have any set goals that uh, you're looking to achieve? Everyone thought you were really promising as a club in, in your first first season in second division in 2019. I think it was six wins for the year, but uh, that was after a really a slower, slower start. But did you go into this year with a, a goal in mind as to, to what you wanted to achieve? Um, I mean, you've always got goals. I mean, as a coach, the ultimate goal is you're always thinking about making finals. Sam, but I'm, I'm a realist too as a coach. I think we wanted to see improvement again, so trust to improve on those six wins again. Um, you know, would then maybe get us close towards pushing for finals. So that, that's what we'd like to do. I mean, I still think you know we, we've got to earn our stripes, so to speak, in Division Two as a footy club. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to become one of those season teams that are able to do it consistently week in week out, and we're not there yet, but. As I said, I mean, we want to look on in the improvement from, from 2019 and if the improvement says that we've got to get more than six wins, well, that's definitely the, the goal that we've achieved. And then obviously, if we get more than six, then you, you start to look towards our, a finals campaign, potentially, if that is on the horizon. But, um, yeah, well, that, that is that is the hope. But, you know, like, like I said, we've got to earn our stripes in Division 2 still and, and we've got to start to build... And, and gain some momentum and respect in the competition. With, uh, obviously, well, you're fifth now. We, we know it's a, a top five uh, final series now. Obviously, you've got the one extra game uh, having played on, on Good Friday that's uh, that's already under your belt. But um, with the, the younger guys, they've obviously emerged. We know that, as you, you say, you're looking for consistency. Younger players can at times uh, lack that. But you've got some real experienced talent that's still watching on at the sidelines. Is there a chance that you'll see some of those back in the lineup as as we push into you know this coming weekend and, and then uh, throughout the I guess the, the early part of the year as well? Um, yeah. So we've uh, Chris Petrie has done a hamstring, so look, he'd be at least probably three weeks away still. Nick Dean, I reckon he's either one one or two weeks away, so we could see him this weekend. Um, Jake Dambraskis was just a, a was a, a week of unavailability where he had to go into state. Um, so with a bit of luck, he'll be okay to play this weekend. Um, so they're the, probably the two main ones we've got out. Unfortunately, we've lost, lost Mitch Green, one of our young key defenders with an ACL, so he's out for the whole year now, um, which is unfortunate for him. But you've seen someone like Hugh and McGibbon now, who's who's a young under nineteen, or just well, he's still nineteen years old, but ineligible to play nineteens, has now stepped into that key back role as a young tall defender, and, and he's done a great job as well. 
I guess as a coach, you're always looking for improvement, and you said that from the outset, but does having a year off like last year just change any perspective at all as to how you approach, uh, I guess, your, your coaching and, uh, and what, I guess, football means, means to you, given what we, we lost last year? Um, you, you do. I mean, I, I did miss it. You miss footy. You've been involved for a long time, so I had no break from footy from probably the age of 18 years old, you know, and so it's 20, 20 odd years of being in the game as a coach and player, and, and that, that break has always was somewhat refreshing in a way. But I mean, you do miss it. I mean, you love the game, and that's why you stay involved. But I've still got a philosophy, Sam, that I still it's uh, family, work, footy, in, in that order, and I preach that to my players. Um, it's all about making sure that you you hold those values strong in your life still, and and footy. For us, it's still it's local community footy, so it's not the be-all and end-all of things in life. But, you know, once you make the commitment to you know, to play at St Mary's, so to speak, you know, we've, we've really got to respect that and make sure that we give our all when we're there. So that's all I ask of my players, and that's the philosophy I take in as a coach as well. So... Uh, well, it's a brilliant philosophy to have, Fab, but uh, we really appreciate your time. Again, congratulations on the weekend's win and, and the positive start to the year to, to stand at 2-1 and one after, after three games. Um, good luck this coming weekend, and we really appreciate you, you joining us this afternoon. Thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it, mate. At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers, and brilliant minds, teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. Latrobe University, all kinds of clever. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the head of umpiring of the Northern Football Netball League, Cameron Nash. Cameron, well, welcome aboard in a formal sense. I know you've been with the league since the start of February in, uh, in the office, but I guess it's our first time having a chat to you uh, on the airway. So welcome in that regard. How have you found the opening couple of months uh, with the league? Of course, we've only had a couple of weeks of competition, but uh, you've been able to fight, find your feet prior, but you've been heavily involved in football for a long time. But how have you found the start to, to life with the NFNL? Yeah, thanks for having me, Samuel. No, I've been, thoroughly enjoyed it so far. It's... Um it's been a bit of a challenge also, obviously, having no footy last year. And um, like everyone, it's um, it's been a bit hard to sort of get up and going in terms of our numbers and so forth. But uh, we're still working through that. But, um, no, I certainly enjoy working with the group of umpires we have so far. Um, we've brought in a new coaching team. Um, we've got some new umpires. So it's a bit of a, a fresh start for everyone, um, which I think everyone's um, you know, taken on board really well. But, yeah, so far, really enjoying it. I guess primarily one of the, the major reasons for us to have a discussion is uh, what you've alluded to there with uh, in terms of looking for new umpires who are looking to get involved. It's been something that's, well, no league, uh, probably around, well, definitely through Victoria, but around Australia would have been immune to the, I guess, the, the loss of umpires last year for those who perhaps were thinking about giving it away and then having a year off confirm that thought and then it's hard to, I guess, um, increase that retention uh, or um, recruitment rate given the fact that last year was a year off and you weren't able to, to um, I guess, rejuvenate the list. And now you, you, you're just playing um, a bit of catch-up in, in being able to do that. But can you just, um, I guess, for, for those listening out who have maybe thought about uh, giving umpiring a crack, can you just go into, I guess, some of the things they, they might be able to get, get out of it if they were to join the Northern Football Netball League umpiring ranks? 
Yeah, definitely. So even though the season's just started, we're, we're still heavily focused on recruiting for this season. Um, we've had some ex-players sort of join us over the summer. Um, we're getting more girls involved, so a big area for us in recruitment is you know building our female participation. Uh, we had a, a come and try night a few weeks ago with AFL umpire Lenny Glufsus, so that was a success. Uh, as I said, we've had some ex-players that have had a year off footy um, and have decided to to take up umpiring. So we're definitely, as I said, even though the season started, you know, we're, we're still heavily recruiting um, for this season. And, and as you said, based on no recruitment at all last year, um, for umpiring, a big thing for us is, is going into schools, um, which we're already doing this year already. But again, not having done that last year has obviously affected our numbers for this year. Um, so we are still heavily recruiting, even though the season started. How do people get involved if they are thinking about it? Yeah, certainly can contact me. Uh, at the office here with my details on our on our website, so via phone or email. Um, happy to chat to anyone and, and get, get people involved because, um, yeah, it, it pays really well, keeps you fit, you meet a lot of new people, you're still involved in the game, so there's a heap of advantages with um, with taking up umpiring. I guess it's also get lost as well, but it's being part of a team again, isn't it, for, for those players who have done it? One of the, the main reasons people play the game is being involved in a team. It's no different when you're jo- joining the umpiring fraternity. Yeah, exactly the same, and that's what people have come down and joined us this year of, and have come out of a football environment have basically said, oh, it's the same same as a footy club. You know, we train, we do coaching, you know, there's development, all those sort of opportunities. So it's basically, we basically are another another footy club. On a coaching front, you've been able to attract a, a great group of, of, of people to, to be involved, many of which have had experiences at higher level. Who, if, if you were to join, who are some of the people that uh, you could be expected to be coached by? Yeah, well, all the coaches we brought in this year have had some recent VFL experience in coaching. Um, so they've all come across. A fitness coach is, is, was involved also. So, you know, you're going to receive coaching from, from people straight out of the VFL system. Um, so they've sort of ex- um, you know, been ex- up to speed with higher standards, which we're going to try and implement with the group here. Um, and even we've got AFL umpires involved. So Matt Nichols and Lenny Glufsus is um, our umpire ambassadors, so they'll be at training once once a month. Um, so there's there's plenty of resources for for the umpires this year. And of course, all disciplines we're looking for, but uh, there's opportunities at field, boundary, and goal. Yeah, and that's where the, the good thing is: is flexibility. So if you if you're available on a Saturday, you can um, field, boundary, or goal umpire in any of our senior competitions. Um, or if you're only available Sundays, obviously the junior field and um, and women's footy as well. So we're flexible where it's either day or, or it can be morning and afternoon. So it really does fit around people's other needs on weekends. Well, Cam, we appreciate that. One one last one, I guess a, a great story from the umpiring panels over the weekend was uh, the appointment of Lisa Compton-Robbins to her first uh, Division One men's football game. She umpired the Hurstbridge and McLeod game at Ben Freelay Oval. That's a real, um, I guess, uh, sign as to uh, it's, a, it's a great achievement on her behalf. Someone yep. who's risen through the ranks, but also shows there is progression that you can start at, at uh, you know, a junior base and, and work your way through. She's been someone who's worked at her craft for, for quite some time, and she's really setting. Uh, she's becoming a trailblazer in that space for female umpires. Yeah, no, and thoroughly deserved her promotion. It was purely based on on her performances this year in practice matches and at training. So she she stuck her hand up and. And made it impossible for us not to not to pick her. So it was purely picked on her performance and and what she's done at training um, this year. But yeah, she started as a boundary umpire and a junior field umpire. I think she came across the senior field umpiring a few years ago, 
um, 2019, umpired some Division 2 and 3 senior footy, so it was a natural progression and probably happened a little bit quicker for her than she expected, but as I said, um, a great story and, and um, promotion well earned. Well, uh, Cam, we appreciate your, t- your time on, on joining us in the, on the NFL podcast. Again, if anyone's out there listening and you know, has thought about uh, getting involved in umpiring, now is the, the perfect time. All community leagues need more people to be involved. Certainly, we're not uh, any different here at the Northern Football Netball League. Great environment to coach uh, or to be coached by some, some wonderful people in the umpiring space. So, Cam, uh, appreciate your time and, and wish you, like we do with everyone, the best of luck for the season ahead. Thanks, Samuel. The Meadows Conference and Event Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the netball manager of the Bandura Football Netball Club, Vince Bruno. Vince, thank you for joining us. It was great to have Netball back on Friday night. From a Bandura yes. point of view, it's a record number of teams, nine teams taking to the court for the 2021 winter season. Potentially, yep. they might expand to 10 if things go uh, the way you potentially plan as well. It's a, a busy time, but it's an enjoyable one as well with uh, competition now restarting. Yes, it is crazy when you think about all the administrative stuff that has to happen before, before nine teams can hit the court. And we had a two-week turnaround from the summer season, so it was interesting getting registrations, uh, insur- my netball insurance all set up, and then the arduous task of only having two weeks to try and work out skill levels and try to create those teams as balanced teams which have mid-courts, attackers and defenders. So, yes, we've had a few like tournament nights <laughs> where we've had teams playing off against each other, uh, different training sessions. So it's been a crazy two weeks. How do you go in terms of uh, of that? You mentioned the summer season where you had the same number of teams, I, I believe, as well. Do you keep many of the same players or do you have a, a changeover when you, when you change the, I guess, the, the season you're playing in? It, it was a huge changeover, Samuel, because a lot of the girls that were playing with us were actually from other clubs that weren't fielding summer teams. And so we're very accommodating. Um, and so we had, I think, about four, four girls from Ivanhoe, a few from Tom, uh, well, about five or six, I think, from Thomastown, uh, from Heidelberg. Oh, geez, I think we had quite a few. So we, yeah, we, we, oh, we had lots of fun using the new online transfer system, which works really much more easily than filling in forms, I must say. Uh, so we, we were able to transfer, you know, quite a few of the girls back to their clubs. And of course, um, the, the, so the teams are quite different because they were girls that went across from Team 1 right down to the Team 9 um, that were from other clubs. So now it's sort of a whole new makeup <laughs> um, as we get uh, a lot of our girls that didn't play summer season to uh, you know, fit them into our teams. How do you, I mean, what, what do you put down to the success of the program to be able to have so many players who, who want to play for the club? We've seen great team numbers throughout our netball competition for a number of years, but for a side to be able, or a club themselves, to be able to field nine teams, it's a remarkable effort. What do you what do you put that down to? Well, I put it down to probably probably about three, three or four things. Let me see. So I reckon one is that we don't have a compulsory training session because it's near impossible to make something compulsory when they've got when girls have so many other commitments during a week. So we do sit, scatter around a bit, we, we, but mainly on a Wednesday night we have a, a training session. We also try to keep the costs down to a bare minimum. Like we try not to charge something ridiculous. We just want to cover the NFNL costs and 
and the super expensive court costs for any uh, training we do. Um, and in order to keep them down, we've, we've been really good, blessed to have uh, some sponsors sort of help, help us out. So our girls don't have to buy their own uniform. Te- Technic has been on board since what, 2013, 14, and they've supported um, you know the purchase of our dresses. Uh, other sponsors have helped along the way, but like just for example, with the with the increase of nine teams, uh, I didn't have enough dresses, so I went and approached Technica and said, you know, are you happy to help the girls again with you know with the themes? And they came to the party with two thousand dollars, and I was able to buy enough dresses and bibs to support the extra couple of teams to get to the ninth team. Um, which was really, really good. And the other sponsor that um, has supported our teams in a different way, which is Dyson, I know I, I didn't request um, this money in the normal budgeting cycle. I only requested it last week, and I didn't expect them to come to the party so quickly, but they said they'd be quite happy to support the you know, the grassroots netball girls again. And so they're sponsoring the Dyson Best on Court Award, which gives a bit of enthusiasm each week to to win a, winning something each week for for um you know they're they're doing well on the court so that's really good that they sort of came back to me so quickly saying that they'll continue that sponsorship that we had back in 2019 <laughs> so that's obviously um, great to have fantastic off court support but but on the court uh, as well from a, a coaching point of view I know you've uh, had a close association with uh, Jacinta Tonkin as well I'd imagine her influence is is profound within within the club as well yeah. Yeah, oh yes. So Jacinda Tonkin is actually, you know, one of the key cogs in the wheel because one of the reasons people love to play is because they've got someone open and honest that actually tells it as it is and uh, gives great feedback. Um, you know, when we play our games, it's not just enough to just put them on the court. It's also about uh, reflection and continuous learning. And Jacinda's really great at getting girls to think about their game and think about how they can improve and continuously improve. So I think that's one of the things that the girls like as part of the the ritual of, uh, of the netball season is that they get that reflection. And if they come to training, they'll sort of get to practice certain skills that they need. So Jacinda's been instrumental in sort of helping create these balanced teams taking on board um, various, um, you know, uh, special requests that uh, that some players have, you know, to support, you know, various things that are happening in their lives. You know, for, for instance, you know, this season, a few of the girls that have come back, would you believe, Samuel, they're actually coming back from after having a child. So... One of them only had a child seven weeks ago, and she's back into it like oh, she's and she's sort of even though her fitness might be uh, great, but her, her skills are still second to none, and she's going to be starting in the oh she's started in the first eleven in the first oh, it's first eleven I'm thinking cricket <laughs> <laughs> um, they're starting in the in the first netball team so and there's a few girls that have actually come back from having children, which is really really good to see that made special mention of some of the the players coming back having. Been, haven't played for two, three years, um, which is really good to see because one of the things we try to do at Bandura is just to keep the girls involved in a club um, sporting thing, which is which is part of really our Australian culture is about sports. And we need that avenue to keep girls, especially girls, um, involved in some sort of sporting activity because I think sometimes they get treated as second-class citizens a little bit because during the summer season with COVID and stuff, it was really apparent how the boys' sports sort of took priority, and some of my girls missed out on playing some weeks because the default was that they had to look after the children, and so there was a sort of an impact there for girls and sports, which was a little bit annoying. So we try to have a supportive environment and support the girls if they need people to look after their their children. 
And so I'll try and get people to be there. And in most games, I have lots of supporters from the other teams, which help out in that way. But um, you're, you're right, uh, Jacina is a, a key cog because she's the really the connector. And I think some people are, have got a special gift in life that they help with connecting people, and I think Jacinta is one of those. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many girls play in our teams, because of that sort of connection. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, one last one, oh but uh, which uh, obviously there's a, a heap of, of talent on the list. There's, the numbers are outstanding that the club's enjoying this year, but if there were a couple of players we would to say to, to keep an eye on in, in 2021, who are the players oh. at Bandura that uh, spectators should, should keep an eye out for? Oh, spectator, oh, let me think. Well, in our, in our once team, we've sort of um, got a few new girls in there. Um, where I know we weren't super competitive in Division One in 2019, um, and I'm not sure if we're quite ready there yet. But um, there's uh, some some girls which I am hanging out to see that uh, one of them will come on board this week because uh, they've got a transfer and and she's playing with some friends and she's got um, she can play either end of the court. So one of those X Factor player, Marianne. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how she goes and how she supplements the girls in the you know the, in the team one. Um, great to see Megan Allen back, uh, engine room, come back from uh, pregnancy and um, she and she's raring and ready to get her fitness up and, and, and giving it a good hit in Division 1 as well. Um, throughout the teams, um, there are a few girls that are coming back after not playing three, four years. Um, and I'm really um, happy to see them back. One of them that sort of had an ACL reconstruction and has come back to play, which is really good to see Julia Ferraro, who used to be one of our coaches as well um, a, f- a few years back. So it's great to see her back in the scene. And I'm hoping that she'll go from strength to strength and sort of build her skills up over the season. Um, uh, also, oh, let's see, who else? You, you really have put me on the spot. No, well, that's all right. You've given uh, us, a, you've given us enough of an insight anyway, as it is, I think, in, uh, in the time we've, we've been able to have your company as well. So we do appreciate that. I'm sure throughout the course of the year we'll, uh, we'll touch base as well just to see how things are progressing as well. But um, obviously an amazing achievement to get that number of uh, teams on the court. We hope it uh, expands to 10 as well. But uh, we appreciate your time and, and wish you the very best luck for the winter season ahead. No, no, Samuel, great to talk to you. Thanks for, th- thanks for having a chat.